0: Do not let today's temporary problem become permanent damage. I love culture, especially my culture, I love it. But to me it's like a box of chocolate. Pick whatever flavors you, you like that fits you and whatever doesn't, just leave it. The craziest thing about Dubai is that, like that nothing is impossible. How ambitious Dubai is and how ambitious the UAE is.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the podcast in partnership with Smartcast and the Jahi Events. More about them later. Today's guest on the show has been a friend of mine for five years. At 15 years old, she started her life as an entrepreneur, only to find everything come crashing down around her when she trusted people to manage her money and her contracts. She dusted herself down, went on to build further businesses and become a success here, not only in business, but now as the star of The Real Housewives of Dubai. Please welcome Sarah Al-Madani. Hey, have you heard about the problem that exists with food security? There's a company called Smartcast and they're addressing this problem. We have a population that keeps growing and not enough food to support them in the future. When it comes to identifying that problem and doing something about it, like actually something about it, that's where Smartcast really come into their own. Go and check them out at smartcasttech, S-M-A-R-T-K-A-S, Tech, T-E-C-H, on Instagram. Give them a follow and understand the great work that they are doing to try and solve the problem that we have with food security. Najahi Events have sponsored this podcast since the very beginning. They've been loyal all the way through and they're a fantastic organization. They bring motivational speakers, inspirational leaders here into the UAE so that they can educate and inspire us all. Go and check out Najahi Events at N-A-J-A-H-I Events on Instagram. Give them a follow. Look at those fantastic people they bring into the country. I'll name some. Tony Robbins, Alicia Keys, Nick Vujicic, Gary Vaynerchuk, Les Brown. And it goes on and on and on, and see the great work that they do. There could be someone there to inspire you. Five years after meeting you, we sat here. I remember the first piece of content that we produced where two people didn't really wanna meet each other.
0: No, we hated each other. No, no. (laughs) No, that's not fair. I just thought thought you were like very posh and like snobbish, because you're like, I wanna interview you. I'm like, okay. You're like, can you come to my house on the Palm? I'm like, "Mm, no show off sugar
1: daddy sugar daddy
0: <laughs> sugar daddy indeed
1: but you you over the last few years have kind of like to me you were on an entrepreneurial journey at the beginning so you started you know, when i first met you you had these businesses and you were really kind of open and honest about the things you got wrong the mistakes you made the people you trusted that you shouldn't have done mm-hmm. and then you then as we got to know each other there were kind of like different business opportunities that came your way that you got involved with um, I remember Hala High being something and obviously there's some newer, newer business developments as well and then you go on to star on a TV show as well. Mm-hmm. If I'd have said to you five years ago could you roll it out and have it look like that would you have bitten my arm off or gone no not for me thanks?
0: I mean I don't know all I know is that I'm very spontaneous I, uh, I know that I live once my biggest inspiration in life is death so knowing that I'm going to die any minute it makes me want to try everything. So if you were to tell me five years ago about all of this, I would tell you I see this happening. Like, because Sarah's everywhere, anywhere, whenever, wherever
1: we well, went from the abaya wearing shayla wearing lady you used to irritate me because you were always doing this like every 30 seconds
0: imagine were, doing it, it yourself It used to irritate me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> put it back on put it back on and again getting to know you as your friend i, I knew some some background on you and there's stuff that we you know wouldn't normally share with a camera because there was that image and that government stuff and then the shayla comes off the abaya comes off and then this i'm not wearing it anymore woman comes out so what led to that
0: okay so to start it off the reason i wore the abaya was because of my first marriage uh, my ex-husband wanted me to wear it so i did it you know when you're when you're in love when you're trying to make a work you compromise you're like fine whatever it takes right but then it was not me then i felt like i was obliged to wear it because now that i have it on it's going to be hard to take it off the judgment the stereotype and then i had my government positions and then this period of my life i struggled a lot because i felt like i was not authentically being myself i was not living my truth and then one day i just said you know what um and you mentioned you said you went when i first met you you went on an entrepreneurial journey then you did this you did that what i also went through was a spiritual journey to find myself and my purpose and who i am and that made me realize that i live one life And when I'm deep down buried in the ground and I can't come out anymore, I don't want to go down knowing that I've lived a life to satisfy people's expectations of me and how they wanted me to live or be. I just, I was just like, this is your life, dude. Just go get it, grab it and just do whatever you want. It's mine. So I made the choices and I'm happy. Now, the person sitting in front of you here is exactly who I am, how I am, and I'm exactly where I should be and where I want to be.
1: So the person that sat in front of me is the person that I would see off camera at your house. Yes,
0: exactly. So this is me off camera, on camera. Yeah. But in our first interview, it was, it was me. It was me, like, I was there. I was not absent as a person. But I was not in my own skin, just to say fairly.
1: You, you have had your fair share of criticism over the years. Oh, and people have uh, some of it's just spiteful nasty horrible stuff but you've had your fair share of criticism along the way and you know getting to know you as i have i've always felt that's really unfair and unjust how how do you deal with it how do you cope with it does it does it ever make you angry or do you have this always i feel sorry for them or let them be or you can't change how people think mindset around it
0: okay so when it first started of course i'm a human being it bothered me and i used to not anymore i used to be a person who always wanted people to think good of me Mm -hmm. so and i will do whatever it takes to make people always look at me the way they should because i know who i am um, and that made me struggle. It's like micromanaging your image, which is very hard and tiring. In the beginning, it used to bother me. Later on, two years into it, two years and a half into it, you know, your skin gets thick as leather. And in my spiritual journey, I learned that, you know, it's not up to me to control what people think of me. I just have to live my life and who appreciates me, appreciates me, who doesn't, doesn't. And then I let go of micromanaging. And I became more of a leader within my personality and life. And I was like, I just, I'm just making moves. And if people like it, they do. If they don't, they don't. I don't have to clarify anything to anyone. I don't have to explain. I don't owe anyone anything. I just have to be me. That's it. So it doesn't bother me anymore. Like, it doesn't even phase me. Like, I laugh. But I do believe in leaving them better than the way you found them. So sometimes I respond positively. And there is a high conversion rate where, you know, someone who is insulting you and hating on you becomes a good friend or apologizes. And sometimes I just let it go because some people are like hopeless cases.
1: You won't know this, but I defended you the other day. When? On Love in Dubai, when there was comments where people had been very negative about you. And so I decided that I needed to speak and I needed to type what I felt about you and the person that I know and have known for a long time. It was really interesting to see the responses to what I said.
0: What did you write? Because uh, there were like 3,000 comments there. I was like, I'm not gonna read all of them. 80% are hate. <laughs>
1: People wrote something nasty about you and I decided that I needed to defend you. And so I did, then they attacked me. Really? Yeah, and, and, and I'm, I'm really good with the whole, you can attack Spencer thing. I don't mind if you wanna be negative about me. Yeah, bring it. You know? How
0: do you handle it? Bring it. Okay. You know,
1: I I don't. You hear Gary V say, you know, respond with kindness. I'm like, shut up. If you if you're going to be nasty to somebody, then bring bring your nastiness. Okay. Let's let's discuss why you're angry. Let's discuss why you've got an opinion about me. Okay. Whatever it is, I don't I don't have a problem with. It. I think I enjoy it. You do. Yeah. I think I secretly enjoy it because I can't I can't just sit there and ignore it. However, I haven't had a negative comment or a cynical comment about anything I've done for years. And so then to stand up for you the other day and to start to get attacked myself, I was like, oh, here we go again, okay? There, this is how it goes. But you, no, like... But thank you. Oh, you're my friend, of course <laughs> I'll, oh, I'll I,
0: I would expect something like that from you.
1: So I kind of, I look at it and I'm like, what is going on with the world where everybody has to be tearing each other down? Everybody has to be trying to find the cracks in someone's armor to attack them for something that may or may not have happened or that they've imagined or to attack someone's character when they don't even know who that person is. That's the bit that I find fascinating. You know, Mm -hmm. Someone will attack someone's character without even knowing them.
0: It is fascinating. Actually, I did an experiment. Uh, Me and my friends, we created a fake account on Instagram and we wanted to know how it feels like to just go and attack a random person on their page. So my friend hands me the phone, Simia, and she's like, okay, go write something. Do you like what the girl is doing on her post? I'm like, I don't like it, but the, the normal me would not like something, not approve it, move on with my life, not address it, and be happy. It's normal. To, to, people like blue, you like black. It's completely fine. We're not an extension of each other. So I did and I opened the fake account and I went on on, for my friend's phone and I went on this girl's account and she's like, write something negative. I swear to God, Spencer, my, my mind was like, okay, do it. My body rejected, like it was like, there's no way on earth that I can be okay with me going on someone's page in their private space, write something negative to someone I don't even know. It's insane, like who do I think I am? And the funny part is like, Everyone says they're keyboard warriors. They hide behind fake accounts. That's how they get away with things. I get it. So you get a fake account, you insult people, you bully people, and nobody knows who you are. Amazing. Good job. Now you can sleep at night. But the point is, it's not about caring about people knowing who I am or what I'm doing. What I care about is how I think about myself. Like, how can I sit at home at night and say, okay, I've bullied three people today. Amazing. You know, it just, this doesn't make sense to me. Mm. Like, I care about what I think of me. I don't care what people think of me. I care about what I think of me. So obviously there's a big issue and I think it's a issue in their character, it's weaknesses, it's jealousy, it's um I don't know it's it's a combination of things. It's personality disorders, it's it's a lot of things out there but um you cannot like sweep them off this world. It's um it's a category of people that exists and you just have to coexist with them and know how to just, you know, hold your shield and protect yourself.
1: So for someone that, that, that has got the kind of flack that you've got over the years, you then go and do a TV show that you know, because of the past of that TV show and everyone that's been on it, you know he's gonna court controversy.
0: People are already attacking me regardless. So why not do it? It's, it's a good opportunity for growth, for personal brand, for business. For me, to be honest, the first reason why I did the show was because I was like, damn it, that's a huge PR campaign for Arab women in the West. They think we're submissive. They think we're like stuck at home, controlled, that we don't live our dreams. They have this like wrong image of Arab women. And I was like, I'm going to go clarify that. And, and that, that's why I, that, this was like was the main main reason I did it. And then yes, it's definitely good for business, definitely good for self branding, and it's it's an opportunity that comes once in a lifetime, and I live once, so why not? Absolutely.
1: Well, let's talk about that then. So for anybody that's wondering about how something like that is good for business, let's just break break it down into some mechanics yeah. here. So you go on a TV show. So as you know, I'm making a television program at the Mm. moment and the whole idea of that is for that to be a business that creates revenue. But at first I have to invest money, okay, to make that work. And so in that that investment, hopefully will yield a gain in the future. Mm -hmm. When you become part of the Housewives of Dubai, how do the contracts work? To get paid money, do you have to do the first series for free and then the afterwards? Or
0: I cannot all... disclose these things. Well, give, give me a rough idea. Give, give no, me a the, rough it, idea of what's it, involved. No, I'll tell you what. Definitely, there's contracts involved. Um, it's like I cannot talk about a lot of the details because I can't. But what I look at it in terms of business is you're you're growing your personal brand. Yeah, people are getting to know you. Yeah. Uh, you're building um, authenticity, people are trusting you. And then later on, whatever you start doing in your life, whether you have an existing business, whether you're starting something new, you already have the success out there that will allow that business to flourish.
1: Well, I, okay, let, let, I understand that. So in a much smaller scale, uh, and we'll just do some numbers here, across all of my social media platforms, it's yeah. about 140,000. Okay. What's your numbers?
0: Across, across all? all your
1: platforms, roughly.
0: Almost 1. 1.3, 1. 1.4. 1. 1.3, okay, yeah.
1: so one 3, one4 1.4, 10 times more than me. So I know the power of my personal brand just with 10% of what you have. Yeah. So if I, you know, would, would I crave to have double that I've got right now? Hell yeah, absolutely, because I know the impact that you get with mu- a much bigger brand. Mm-hmm. Having 1.4, 1.3, 1.4 1. 1. 4 million people that follow you, pay attention to you and stuff, Did. Do your business decisions nine times out of 10 lean into, I've got this audience, I want to sell them something?
0: Yes. So basically, um, you, you have platforms, social media platforms, okay? And you have a following and people trust you. Um, you have, you built credibility over the time. So people know whatever Spencer says or whatever Sarah says, it's always truth. They will never promote something that they don't believe in. However, when I choose the kind of business I wanna market, I have to choose certain platforms because not everything serves every type of business. For example, NFTs, I'd go to Twitter. Instagram is useless.
1: So why is Twitter better for NFTs than Instagram?
0: Because everyone who is into the Web3, Web2 world and is like into NFTs, they're all on Twitter. The conversation is happening on Twitter. Instagram Mm -hmm. is nice. We all know Instagram is nice for visual people. Mm -hmm. Twitter is more informative and it's short, it's summarized. So apparently like finding out the hard way that people who love the NFT world are into it, it's all on Twitter, it's not happening anywhere else. Yeah, so that's that's for one of my businesses, for example. Um, If I have a business that is strong in the Middle East, I'll go to my Snapchat. Actually, hold on, no, I have 2.2 million. And Snapchat, I have one million, I forgot. So for example, if I want to sell a product that is strong in the Middle East or only diverse to the Middle East, I'll go to Snapchat because most of my followers are from the Middle East. If I'm selling something international, I will go to Instagram. If I'm promoting a talking gig or something like that and something more business or more techy and heavy, I'll go to LinkedIn. So knowing your audience and how they respond to things as part of your due diligence as someone who's on social media that you need to do. This is your marketing research. Mm -hmm. You need to study your audience, understand it, and then understand how to tackle these platforms. It's not just go and put everything out there. If I am marketing the wrong business on the wrong platform, I bore people. And then you get the unfollow button.
1: Do you go live on other platforms apart from Instagram then?
0: Yes, I do on Snapchat. I just did on Twitter a couple of days ago and it was like a new experience. I have applied for LinkedIn. I still haven't got it. Uh, have you not no i have it i've got
1: something you haven't got on
0: social exactly (laughs) and the thing is like i work with linkedin here and i was like guys can you help me out i mean i've filled the forms but it's not happening i don't know why wow yeah so i would love to because you know my strongest platform in terms of engagement Mm -hmm. it's not snapchat it's not instagram it's not twitter it's linkedin
1: it's nuts your engagement on linkedin
0: i love i love linkedin but then it's hard to use my voice there because I cannot go live. And there's so many things that I want to discuss on LinkedIn that I cannot discuss on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like um, going talking about the crash of like Bitcoin and like what's happening. Nobody on Instagram is going to get that. Like Mm -hmm. out of all my followers, like even less than 1% would even care. Like they don't care. So it's a LinkedIn conversation, but I can't have it because LinkedIn is not helping me. I love LinkedIn.
1: Tell me more about these NFTs that you got involved with. I'd like to learn about them.
0: When the whole NFT hype happened, you know me i always jump the wagon whatever's new so i was like i want to be involved in that world and um right now with a, my company hella we've um the company has uh we've like stopped for a while because we raised money and we have new business partners and investors and we're relaunching again in a couple of months i was like okay so we have the celebrity base we have the access to people we have the database and everything and then the NFTs are growing so much but I know nothing about NFTs and there was the like the NFT hype and I was like I want to be part of that world so I went back to my business partners from halahai and they're like they're geeks when it comes to technology they knew everything so they trained me for six months taught me everything at the same time our designers were designing the graphics for the concept we created you know me, me I'm, I'm the creative one so concept marketing creatives give it to me I'll eat it all But then like the technology part of it, I knew nothing. But I believe that we don't have to be in domains that we only were taught about or learned about or studied about. You can do anything you want in this world. Knowledge is for free. So they taught me everything. We released an NFT line called Alcatraz, driven from the word Alcatraz, the jail. Yeah. So basically the story behind the NFT is that there's a bunch of bad people stuck in the metaverse and they're cannibalizing the metaverse. They're destroying, they're... They're all over the place and they're jailed there and they're causing chaos even in jail. To stop these guys from doing whatever they're doing in the metaverse, they need to be freed. So they promised us, if you free us, we will change your life and we'll change the world. And the only way to free them is to buy them. So the minute you buy uh, one of the NFTs, the characters, you free that person from Uh, the metaverse. okay? Okay. And then the two promises they give you when you purchase them is they'll change the world and they'll change your life. They change the world, number one, is by we've actually tied uh, the knots. We, we have contracts between a company, an organization called Smile Train. It's the biggest organization in the world that's focused on cleft palate, children okay. have cleft palate. So when the last NFT is minted, um, over 600 children will get an opportunity to stay alive through surgery. So when you're buying an NFT and you're freeing these bad characters, number one is they're going to give children an opportunity to stay alive and smile again. Wow, that's, that's how they change the world for you. On the other hand, um, the NFT, uh, the the character promises to change your life. Now we all know being rich is working for money. Being wealthy is your money working for you. When you purchase the NFT, you own all the IP, all the rights. So whatever projects we do in the future as a company, whether it's series, cartoon, merch, whatever. We have a pool equity for all the NFT holders to make money with us as we grow. So you are literally not buying an NFT and flipping it for more money because that's not guaranteed. One day you're, the NFT is, is hyped, one day it's dead. But what we are promising you is that you're investing in a company and when the company grows, you grow with it. So that you're buying shares in the company mm-hmm. and when you're reselling that NFT, you're not flipping an image anymore. Mm-hmm or like the utility with the image, you're flipping your shares in a company. This is how, the, if you free these bad guys, they change your life and they they change the world. And it's called Alcatraz because Alcatraz is a jail, so it's derived from it, you mm-hmm. know, because these are bad guys. Makes sense. In a road to redemption. Why did you choose cleft palettes? Because I believe there's a lot of issues in the world, right? There's so many problems to tackle, they're endless. A lot of problems, Uh, when it comes to like adulthood, as an adult, you can still fight back, and there are support systems out there to help you. But when you're a child, you're three months old, one year old, and your body's weak, your mind is weak, you have nothing to protect you, and all you need is surgery to stay alive. This changes everything because then I'm giving a child an opportunity to stay alive, to smile, to grow, and become the next pilot in this world, the next entrepreneur, the next president. But if these kids are just dying because, you know, they're children and they can't do anything about it, I think it's unfair. That's why we.
1: Is that what happens to them with cleft palates if they don't get the surgery? They some,
0: some of them live, but it's difficult to breathe, difficult to eat, difficulty to drink. So they, they're mal- malnourished. And like there's a lot of issues that come with it, but a lot of them die.
1: Wow. Yeah. I had no idea.
0: Yeah, I, 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 thought, I thought it was like a, a birth uh, defect that they live with, but apparently no, you can actually die from it. Yeah, and I mean, you see the operations,
1: they, don't you? You see them where the, the kids have the pallets rebuilt and then the, 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 they're always left, yeah. left with the scar here, aren't they? But yeah, then, but then, then they, they
0: look normal. They look completely, that's why it's called smile train because they get to smile again and look look normal again.
1: I really like that.
0: I love it. I love it. Giving a child an opportunity. I know there's a lot of issues in the world, but I would rather help a child right now and focus on it because a child is innocent. Like, they, they have nothing, they're weak, you know? Adults who have problems and grown ups, it's a completely different case. I'm not demeaning how big the, case, the cases are or saying they're not important, but I think starting with a child for me is what I want to be focused on.
1: Mm. Oh, you surprised me there. What makes you happy? Because I look at you sometimes and I wonder if you really are.
0: And now, I am very happy. A while I look back, I was not happy. For a long time, I was not happy. But the thing is, I do not let negative things in my life affect me very deeply. I have a very strong personality when it comes to discipline. Do not let today's temporary problem become permanent damage. Mm -hmm. And it's up to you whether to linger and make it into like a big deal and let it destroy you, or whether to like be disciplined and to understand that nothing in life that's bad lasts, as well, nothing in life that's good lasts. So enjoy the good things don't dwell on the bad things because they don't last but right now I'm extremely happy but I'll tell you what's my definition to happiness and I I, I've said this in so many interviews before because I discovered it and I was like my god it it just sets you free um happiness is not um what your expectation of life and it's not where your life is because your expectation of life is impossible to reach I want to be this I want to be you can't be everything you expect to be And it's not what your life is because you definitely don't want to be still. You can do a lot with your life. So what lies in between that is happiness. Uh, To me, this is what happiness is. As well, uh, along with that, happiness is having a good heart, having a clean soul, clear conscience, not hurting anybody, not wanting anything from anyone, being content. Um, not being malicious, just being kind. It's funny because I've spoken to people that were like, I'm going to travel to the end of the world to discover my happiness and my truth and where my happiness is. It's insane how people are like going the extra mile and spending so much money to find out what happiness is, while the recipe and the chemistry to it lies inside of you. Um, The happiness hormone, dopamine, serotonin and all that, how are they released on the body? Do you know that? Tell me. They're released when you give, when you serve. So when you are giving someone flowers, look at look at the ad, like the, how the rush in your body is. You feel good, you yeah. look at them smile, you feel amazing. Your happiness hormone are being released in the body. So the secret to happiness is a chemical reaction that we know how to trigger. Why are you going to the end of the world, searching and driving yourself insane, uh, trying to find out whether it's materialistic things, whether it's spiritual things, While the ingredients are all inside your body, it's a chemical reaction. It's simple as that. It's releasing chemicals in your body. And the way to do it is to give, giving. And this has been scientifically proven. So the whole universe is inside of you. Don't look out, just look in.
1: There's nothing, there's nothing nicer than the feeling of giving somebody a gift. And I always oh, yes. tell people how selfish it is to do that. People are like, you've done something so lovely for me. And I'm like, I did something lovelier for me. For me, exactly.
0: <laughs> you know what's funny? I get this all the time, you're selfless, you're gonna be used, you're gonna be abused, you're stupid, You know, everyone like uses you, you're selfless. I was like, what these people don't get is that I'm so selfish when I'm giving. I'm satisfying myself. This makes me happy. Mm-hmm. It's my high. Doing good makes me feel happy and that the reaction, like the action out of it is a good thing. It's not like hurting others or like demeaning others, but thank God that's what makes me happy. But I'm being extremely selfish. You have no idea.
1: I try and think about the times along the way where I can remember you being unhappy.
0: You've seen it all.
1: And the vast majority of my exposure to you over the last five years overall you've been a happy person or when you're not happy you kind of yes when i'm sat on your sofa at home with you at your house and you know there's no one else watching then it's just a real conversation but yeah. it's almost like you when we, then we go out from the house into a restaurant or a cafe or something then you, you kind of like brush yourself down and in the, in the bathroom, give yourself a slap in the face, say, come on, right, let's, let's have a good afternoon or a, a, a good moment. Yeah. Are you ever frightened of people seeing the real you? No. Like the, the, the sad you?
0: No, I've, I mean, it's not that I brush it off and hide it, but I genuinely, genuinely, don't it doesn't show when I'm upset or feeling down, I, I might be distant. So my friends who are very close to me and you've you've you're also one of my good friends, you know that about me, when I am feeling down or upset.
1: You don't. I, you don't answer your WhatsApp messages. Yeah,
0: I, I disappear. I do. I disappear completely. I disappear. I, I I exclude myself because I'm. I go through like I go through like a process where I don't play the blame game. Where oh, this person did this to me. This. I know. I go into like my own place where I start looking inside at where I went wrong, because I have no control over people, what they do to me, how they treat me. But I do have control over me and how I I react and how I take things. So I go back and I exclude myself for a while, and I become a bit uh, introverted, and I just recalculate everything. And once I've done the calculation, I've learned my lesson, I understood where I went wrong. Then I go back to being me again, and that's that's my that's my mechanism. And I think I, it's better than doing anything else that can harm me in a different way. So that's my mechanism. But I genuinely, Spencer, when I go out, I'm not acting. When you see me smiling while deep down inside I'm broken, I'm not putting a show for people. I believe happiness is a state of mind. Yes, I'm heartbroken, I've been let down, I've been this, but my, my God, I'm a happy person. You ain't gonna take my happiness away. You can take everything else away. You can shake me for a bit, but I'm a happy person. I'm happy, I'm, I love laughing, I love smiling. You know me, I'm, I'm a jokester, like I don't take things seriously. So I'm not acting, I'm just happy, a happy person.
1: Do you think you take after your dad? Because I find your dad a very jovial character. Yes, of course. I find, I find him a kind of like a a happy, uplifting. Like kind a, he's of a guy. lifting person. Yeah. yeah, I'm.
0: I'm so like my. I think I'm a carbon copy of my dad. But the only difference between me and my dad is that I broke the chains and I freed myself, and my dad's like still stuck in the culture a little bit, which I still don't get because I look at culture as a box of chocolate. Oh, first of all, let's start. Let's start from the beginning. Culture. What is culture? It's a bunch of things man-made and these people are like dead they're long gone yeah and we're still satisfying them in the grave while we live in a world that's different than the world they were in 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 a generation different than theirs in a timeline different than theirs so i love culture especially my culture i love it but to me it's like a box of chocolate pick whatever flavors you you like that fits you and whatever doesn't just leave it i respect it all but i don't apply it all because some of it doesn't make sense to me and I don't know why is this a crime to a lot of people like oh you don't believe in that part of the culture like it's like it's like as if i changed my religion like they treat you like in that way well it's not that serious it's man-made a bunch of guys sat down and they're like okay we're gonna drink from this cup because it's generous and all of you will drink from a cup. it was it was all just a bunch of people sitting together creating things and i respect it but i don't have to apply it all it doesn't make sense
1: we saw what happened in the news a couple of days ago where there's a, a, a movie that's just been released in the UK and Muslims in the UK say said part of it is blasphemous because it talks about Fatima, I think it was Muhammad's daughter or something. And they they've, they've gone on a oh. campaign in front of the the, the movie theatres and the movie theaters had to take the take the movie out. Got it. And so when when I see that you know, to me, it's like, are we are we being a bit extreme here?
0: No, no, I'll explain to you something. This has nothing to do with culture. It's, no, that's no,
1: religion, yeah.
0: It, it has nothing to do with, it's okay, but we don't want to, we don't want to show it. It's not about what you wear and what, what part of your body you show. It's not that kind of decision. In religion, it's just like when someone is, when you're, whatever religion you have, you're patriotic, you're patriotic to your religion, right? And in religion, we know that we cannot show how our religious figures look like. We cannot show, um, like we cannot pick a character in a movie and say, okay, this is the prophet. This, we cannot do that because uh, Islam is against idealizing people uh-huh. and like worshiping people uh-huh. and having images and all that. It, it's, it's, it's against that. You God is God, the prophets are the prophets. Of course, they're important. But to us in Islam, you cannot show how they look like or portray their story or, you know, because in movies you also sometimes add spices and all that, but this, you're talking about something in history that's, it's religion. It's like, it's like I would not wear a bikini to a church, you know, don't wear a bikini to the mosque. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. It's kind of like respect. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of movies that tackled a lot of things about Islam in a very um, vague way, and that's fine. You can talk about it discuss things, but to have characters representing like this in Islam is not something that's okay. That's why people got a bit upset.
1: I don't understand religion.
0: I get, I get it.
1: I don't understand any religion.
0: I think, Are uh, you agnostic?
1: Uh, I'm not even that. I'm atheist. When I was a kid from a very religious family. My grandparents were missionaries in the Second World War. My you know, Sunday school was everything that I did, you know. Everything was don't take the Lord's name in vain and don't do this and don't do that. And it was just like, what, because of some book? Got so it. we've got everything from the book and it makes no sense to me why that book is, is you know, the gospel and it's said to be true. Who says so?
0: So, okay, for, just to start it off, in Islam we say, Lakum Dinukum waliyadin." It means you have your religion and I have mine, and I have no right whatsoever to question you or belittle you just because you're not Muslim. Uh-huh. No matter what, atheist, agnostic, Jewish, whatever you are, as a Muslim, this is from the book. It says, I am not allowed to criticize you or judge you based on your religion. Mm-hmm. I have mine, you have yours. Mm-hmm. That's it. Coexist. So that's to open up this topic. With but that's me.
1: nothing to do with religion. That's common sense.
0: It is common that's sense. just, 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 just no, being no, kind, no, isn't no. it? Some, some religions, they... they, they I've, I've heard of some religions, I don't want to say names, but where they actually um, inspire you, not only inspire you, push you to hurt people from other religions. Okay, Like they are... like. You're right, it's common sense. And this is what Islam is saying. Common sense. Like do not touch them. They do not touch yours. What's yours is yours, what's theirs is yours. leave them alone. Like people are people, right? So this to start it off. Second thing is whatever your religion is, I respect you. This doesn't change the way I look at you or view you. It's religion is between you and God. I have people have no right to come and act like, you know, representatives of God or secretaries of God on earth. And I hate it when people do that. However, yes. Most of religions are from books, but when it comes, I, I'm not, and I'm not saying this to defend Islam. But when it comes to to Islam, the Quran, in the book, um, there are things that are discussed that are being discovered now. For example, like the crack in the moon, like how would someone know something like that, you know, back then, and put it in a book while well, this was discovered recently? How a woman gets pregnant, step by step, in the womb, how the baby grows there. The sound of space there, um, every like everything how the galaxies, the stars are like. It's there are a lot of things, even predictions of things that are going to happen in the future. For example, metal flying, uh, buildings coming out, skyscrapers. Everything was written there, and we're talking about a book that's like thousands of years old. So there is a lot of proof that can show you that there's something way way bigger than just like. A big bang. You know what I mean? It's something. They're, they're, look at look at us humans. Look at the way our body works. How we heal. How we clean our body. How we go to the toilet. How our brains work. How we are so in, like our system is not made coincidentally or by mistake, where atoms and all that came together. It just doesn't make sense. We are so sophisticated. There is definitely a higher power. Not this is this is what I think in, and w- what I love about Islam is that. It is all about peace, although there's a lot of extremists out there that make Islam look so rid- like horrible and ridiculous like Islam needs a whole PR campaign like because no one is saying the truth about how it is. It's so simple five things you have to do in life and these five things promote you into being a better person, which is like giving the poor fasting. okay, fasting a lot of people they don't get it but fasting is a way for you to cleanse your system from all the crap you put in your body throughout the whole like, year. It's once a month, it's once a year for a whole month. It's cleansing, number one. Number two, it's feeling the pain of other people who don't have any food or anything, that are the people who have like poverty. So, and this is, teaches you emotional intelligence, cleans, cleans your body. Number three, pray. Pray, you know, if you're given all of this, um, just like, you know, when you graduate, you would thank your principal and your teachers for everything they've done for you. It's common sense praying is thanking the creator for everything he's done for us and for everything he's given us it's it's like you know being good to family not stealing it's it's like it it promotes it's like a manual to promote you to be a better person Mm -hmm. um definitely there's a lot of extremes like and things that came out outside the book that a lot of people follow I, i don't know like People took religion and they, they just made it worse. But that's, that's, what the, that's the
1: same as Christianity because the Bible has been interpreted by all of the different forms of Christianity, yeah. whether that's Seventh-day, Seventh-day Adventists, Christians, Catholics, or whatever it may be. So that, I think that applies this people that take it to extremes across all, all religions. Yeah. All right, let's move on from that because I don't want to hang around there. <laughs> Dubai.
0: Yes.
1: 17 years I've been here. And so, really? Yeah. You're a local. Emirati. <laughs>
0: <In> <laughs> I would if you were Marathi, what would your name be
1: my name if i was emirati is yeah. there is there a, is there a, is there a muslim name that begins with an s what's an s one
0: there's Saud, there is Saud, sagar 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 is a eagle i yeah, eagle. i don't want to be sagar but sagar is a very can i be it's a very strong name oh is it yeah yeah sagar
1: and Saud. what sultan.
0: does that mean so i don't know what saud means but so there's sultan which means like royal and king there you go there you go Sultan. sultan Sultan, Habibi. Lodge. Habibi. <laughs> Sultan Lodge. Habibi, Habibi, Sultan Lodge.
1: We've seen, we've seen this place. I remember coming here to in 2005 and seeing this city and thinking, "Wow, what's going on here? This is going nuts." Yeah. And we saw this this city grow out of nothing, and then we saw it slow down and everyone was to kind of retreat back again, and then again the COVID thing started and then this place has gone crazy.
0: Yeah, they handled it very well.
1: What do you make of it? You know, this is your home, but what do you make of it? And what do you think about the the people that criticize this place? Or what do you think about the criticisms?
0: To me, criticism are just people who are jealous. And um, the country is doing such a great job for us locals, first of all, like me as an Emirati, the health system, everything around me as an Emirati, it's amazing. For the expats, they've made life easy. They take care of people. We know when money is paid to the government that it's going back into uh, making things better for us. There's transparency, there's honesty. But the craziest thing about Dubai is that, like that nothing is impossible. How ambitious Dubai is and how ambitious the UAE is and how ambitious our leaders are. Like, there, people tell me, you're fearless. I go like, oh, I'm from Dubai. Like we fear nothing, nothing is impossible for us. So this attitude that Sheikh Mohammed has, like all these leaders that we have, have Sheikh uh, Mohammed bin Zayed, like all of them, this courageous um, attitude they have, there's no choice but for it to rub on you. And you become like, like them exactly where you go like, okay, you know what, nothing is impossible. Nothing can stop me because I, they have this vision. And it's infectious, like infectious, like it's like a virus. It gets to you, and you become exactly a product of Dubai, where you're fearless, you care about nothing, and no one can stop you.
1: When you look around the GCC and you look at the other countries, you see that they've taken the lead from the UAE, haven't they? You can of see course. this. Like, there's this this improvement in Qatar, the Saudi now with the two new cities they're building, and it's just like. It, have they sat there and gone hold on a minute we've missed something here what are those guys up to okay when they might have been stuck in traditions and uh, uh, mindsets and traditions i don't mean as in, in cultural traditions but mm-hmm. business traditions before yeah okay and have now gone holy mother of goodness you know yeah. uh, we need to we need to catch up you know because there's a big opportunity here True. that that to me makes this this whole part of the world really exciting now
0: It does Um,
1: You know, Years ago I remember going to Bahrain And Bahrain was described to me as the kind of Switzerland of the Middle East Because all of the English banks were there And you'd go there and it'd have a You know you're on an island So wherever you were you could see the sea And there was this real kind of relaxed and chilled out environment and atmosphere there And then I went to Kuwait and it was kind of like a bit oppressive and a bit kind of miserable by comparison at the time but i was like oh bahrain what a great place that'd be a great place to live and then i came across here and i'm like oh hold on a minute here there's turbo charging going on here for <laughs> sure you know this is nuts but then now i see saudi which is kind of like the the big country in the midst of it all isn't it yeah that's, that's been you know holding back holding back holding back you know you know we own the biggest company in the world with our oil business and stuff When I look at that, I'm like, it's so refreshing to see that there's this ambition to either want to compete, catch up or be like the UAE.
0: Yeah, it's undeniable. I mean, I I love all the GCC countries, but it's undeniable. Like Dubai has done something no one has done. Like there's universities that are teaching, even in the West, how Dubai made this happen in 50 years. They're teaching that in universities. There's books about it. It's a curriculum. Yeah. Really? Yeah, you can Google it. Check it out. So it's undeniable that what this city did is extraordinary. It's unbelievable. And there's, you cannot deny that all the other countries are exactly trying to catch up, be like, or be better, um, which is something normal to happen within like, countries that are close to each other. It's, it's, it's a normal, healthy competition, which is good because it makes the countries upgrade to being better and better and better all the time. I think the secret to the success of the UAE is they figured out the right ingredients. And if you, of course, you know the ambassador for the UAE in America, Yusuf Al-Ateba. There is something he said on Twitter, and he said this years ago, but he said it over and over again. He's like, the only way to progress and to grow as a country is to separate the religion from the state. So, and he said it, he said, religion is something you do at home between you and God, your heart and, and, and God. The estate, the country is something completely different. We cannot build rules based on whether it's okay or not based on religion. He's like, it's completely separate. And when you separate the two, that's how your economy grows. And then of course, I'm, I'm very spiritual. I love my religion, but he has a, a very strong point because you cannot do something and then, you know, he said it, in, and I'm quoting him. He, he said, you cannot just go and say, oh, Dubai did this. Is this halal or haram, like in Islam? He's like, we cannot do that. We'll never, satis- we'll, we'll never be satisfied. We'll never satisfy anybody. Separate the both, and that's how your economy and, and country grows. And I think Dubai did that. The UAE did that. And um, they respect the religion and they like, come on, we are an Islamic country, but they separated it from the decisions they've taken for, this, for, the, for the state, for the country itself. So you've seen a lot of rules have changed in Dubai. A lot have changed, like things that we thought were never going to be possible are now possible yeah. in Dubai, which made it easier to move, live and invest here. It's a very smart move, but for a country to take this, br- these brave steps, it's not easy. That's not easy. Mm. And no one wants against it because we have the utmost respect for our leadership and we believe in their vision. And we know whatever they do is for the best of us and our country. So wherever they're going, we follow.
1: Well, it's, it's not just bold in their creativity. I mean, they just did a deal with Israel, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, and to see a deal like that, be that's a first uh, to ever happen. And I think that's a gutsy type of move. Okay, a couple of last things before we finish. Do you consider yourself a role model? yes and who to?
0: i think i'm a role model to a lot of arab women that love change and want to be free but and they don't care about the outcome or the results so i'm a role model to them to show them that you can be yourself it's fine there's nothing wrong with it i think i'm a role model to young girls because i use my platforms not just to you know, put pictures and show food, and you know, and <laughs> talk about stupid things. But I'm educating. I'm an educator on on my social media platform. So I think I'm a role model to young girls because I started my business when I was 15. So I, I'm showing them that back then, when I had no Google to search anything, I did it. Nothing is impossible, and they can do anything they want now because. Knowledge is for free. Everything is available out there. There's no excuses anymore. So yes, I do feel like I'm a role model and I, and I'm pr- I proudly say it. I'm not going to be um, modest when it comes to that. I worked so hard to be a role model because uh, my purpose is act of service, and one act of service towards the community or towards people is educating people. Whatever knowledge I have is for free, just share it with everyone. And what's what's meant for you mm-hmm. will not leave you. Will not go away if you share it with others. You know, one candle can light a lot of candles.
1: Who who's a role model for you?
0: I am my own role model. <laughs> <laughs> because look, I there's a lot of I I don't want to say Oprah or Michelle Obama or this one or this. Why? Because I think it's unfair. There's a lot of underdogs. There's a lot of like unsung heroes and women and men out there that are doing so good, but I don't know. I know nothing about them. So I believe anyone that has stood up and did something for themselves and then helped others is a role model for me. So whether your name is X, Y, Z, I might not know who you are or if you exist or not. You are a role model to me. But I also wanna teach people self-love. I feel like we do not give ourselves enough credit. I am my own role model. This, this shit I went through in my life, Spencer, the stuff I put up with, and I'm, sometimes I look in the mirror, I'm like, my goodness, you're still standing on your two legs? How? I, I feel like this is inspiring. Like to me, I inspire myself. And when you are content and self-sufficient, you don't, you don't run out of inspiration.
1: You just said uh, Michelle Obama and Oprah Winfrey okay so let me give you a couple of options and see which one you would choose if you could have you could be the queen of daytime television like oprah winfrey has been you could be somebody that was the queen and 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 the world leader in um through through television we'll stay with television and helping change the world and making the world a better place Mm -hmm. okay or you could be the person that was able to create more spirituality for people than anything else and you have one of those three options to choose what would be the most important to you
0: I'll tell you why I won't choose the first two I would not be someone in entertainment like Oprah because it's such a hard job and I I believe I I want to be free like it it ties me up to I have to produce a show or be that or always show up and I'm a human being I can't always show up you know so I would not do that I don't I don't want to be a queen because that comes with a lot of rules and regulations and I'm a free spirit Definitely someone who gives us spirituality. So I'm like the hippie. <laughs> yeah, definitely someone like that.
1: Because you recently spent some time with Vision from Mind Valley. Yeah. Was someone like spending time with Vision, is that somebody who you can connect with from that point of view?
0: 100%. It was so easy to become friends with him. It was so easy to build a connection because when you, when you speak about spirituality, a lot of people think you're crazy. When you speak to Vision, he loves you because you're crazy. So he's he's the same type of person, thinks the same way, and he under he gets it. He gets it, and he introduces me to bigger things in that scene where I can grow as a person. So I love it. Vishnu is like amazing,
1: inspiring. Very inspiring. Hey, someone inspiring you?
0: Oh no, I I did not say no one inspires me. Actually, to be honest, you know, right now who really inspires me now at this moment? Uh-huh. Johnny Depp.
1: Uh huh. Why?
0: Because he was married to a narciss- narcissistic woman uh-huh. that was abusing him. Uh-huh. He never did anything about it because he was scared of hurting her. Typical empath. Yeah. I, same thing I went through. I was married to a narcissist. I was with narcissists. And I never stood up for myself because I was scared to hurt the abuser, although the abuser was abusing me. And that's how t- empaths are. We don't fight back because we are scared of hurting someone's feelings while they're butchering us. And, you know, we let things go. He let things go. He gave her the money. He told her, just, you know, leave me alone. And we do the same thing. I did the same thing. I was like, here is what you want, the money. Take it, leave, go. Just leave me alone. But they don't. They come back because that's how narcissists are. But he stood up for himself and he fought back and he fought badly. And he exposed everything. As us empaths who are victims of narcissistic abuse, we do not bring out the proof because you know, it's okay, I don't want to be a bad person, this is bad, like, we care We care about, like, how, it's, it's crazy explaining this, we care about how we hurt someone who hurts us, and it's insane saying this, mm-hmm. he did the same thing, but he fought back, so when he won, he fought on the behalf of all of us, yeah. victims who never stood up for ourselves, he won on the behalf of all of us, so he was, he was a hero, he went out there and he did it, he stood up for himself, something I should have done so many times, but I never did.
1: Do you think her career is now destroyed?
0: Her career? I'd move to, a, I'd ask Elon Musk to move me to a different planet if I was her. She's <laughs> insane. This woman is not worthy of respect at all.
1: There are lots of women out there like that though.
0: Yes, men and women, both. Yeah. yeah. And victims of domestic abuse is are women and men. They're not just women.
1: When you go on podcasts, what are you are you are you just happy to be asked questions?
0: I love being asked questions that are challenging. So before going on a podcast, like I do my due diligence about the person because I don't want to sit there and talk about how many businesses I have. Like it's boring, yeah, you know really boring. I want someone that that like triggers me and takes me into a deeper conversation. So I love that part. and then the second part is I have a message because every time I answer a question, I am sending an indirect or or direct message to people out there to either inspire them or move them or shake them or wake them. So that's what I do. That's what I love about podcasts.
1: Thank you for coming to join me today on the show. Thank you for
0: having me. (laughs) I have fun.
1: After knowing Sara for so many years and getting to know her backstory personally as her friend, it's interesting to see the person that she's evolved to become now starring in that TV show. Do you know what? I secretly think that that's what she always wanted to do anyway. This career in television was something that I always felt would be for her, her future. If you're listening to this on iTunes, then please give us a five-star rating. If you're listening to this on any other podcasting platform, show us some love, give us some engagement. The more of that that happens, the better it's going to be for us in the future to get this reach further and further so other people can be inspired by the show. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.